Welcome to Britt David Podcast and the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, The Call of Duty, from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 through 14. Back in 1974, country musician Freddie Fender released a song called Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. Sounds like that could be the subtitle for the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon seems to be expressing the regret he feels for the foolishness of wasting time being carnal. Now he just wants to find the one thing that gives meaning to life, and he finds it in obedience to God. Here's Pastor Tim. But Ecclesiastes is not written to depress you. It's not written to be a fatalistic book. There is a point. There is a reason. It's why we get this very close-up view to Solomon's thinking and Solomon's heart. Solomon wasn't perfect, was he? I'm not either. Those very same struggles, I, I, need, to, I need to find out what, how, how do I get past that? How do I, if the point of this book is not discouragement but direction, then how do I take the other road in the fork? How do I turn this view away from me and back towards him? Because that becomes the key. It's to point me beyond myself into the Lord. He is to be my satisfaction. He is to be my fulfillment. He is to be for me meaning and purpose. I'm going to let you hold your place here in chapter 12. We are going to get to these verses, I promise. Let's go back to chapter number 3 for a moment. Would you turn there with me? Chapter number 3, verse number 11. There's a verse that you need to mark. This is what it says. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Sometimes Kathy plays that. Plays that in song version. You know? And we sing through that. But it's the rest of the verse that really grabs a hold of my heart. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. What in the world does that mean? It means this. God is at work in your heart. And sometimes you can't see it. He may keep it hidden. But he is at work. He knows the beginning from the end. But he has taken eternity and placed it in my heart. So why do I keep trying to fill it with things that are temporal? If God has taken your heart as a believer and he has placed eternity there. Do you really think that your work is then going to satisfy that hole? Do you really think that family will satisfy that hole? Or recreation will satisfy that hole? Or any outlet is going to satisfy that hole? Nothing temporal will ever satisfy the eternal. 
Only God can fill what used to, we used to refer to it as a God-shaped void. There's a God-shaped hole in your heart. And God is the only one that can fill it. And any attempts to do anything else is going to result in the normal path that Solomon would take without the Lord. If Solomon didn't know the Lord, he would leave chapter 12 out altogether. He would just come to an end and say, as he does at the end of chapter 11, for childhood and for youth, it's vanity. He would throw up his hands. He would say, there's really no point, there's no reason. But chapter number 3 and verse number 11 gives you the reason, and it gives you the key to the book of Ecclesiastes. So Solomon is frantically searching for meaning, right? Come to chapter 12, and we discover, number 2, Solomon finally settled the matter. Solomon finally settled the matter after looking at everything, considering everything under the sun, everything in temporal life. Solomon finally comes to a conclusion. And he says it as, as much. If you if you're go back to chapter number 12 and verse 13, he begins that verse by saying, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I want to hear what it is that is the conclusion. After 11 long chapters of trying to discover meaning and purpose, what's the conclusion? All right? Before we get to that one, i got one more pit stop for you. But you're in chapter 12, so you're in your good spot. So we'll start at the end of the chapter. Look, if you will, at the beginning of the chapter. Verse number 1. Remember now your Creator... In the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, if you wait too long, you get past the years of your youth, or the days of your youth, as he says. Difficult days have come and difficult days have gone. You're going to get to the point to where you say, you know what? I'm not enjoying this. Life isn't nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be. You know? So how do you remedy it? Remember now. Remember now your creator. In the days of your youth. If you're beyond the days of your youth, then remember your creator in the days of now, today. Keep your focus on God. When you do, you discover that your skepticism, your fatalism, your discouragement, your despair, those things begin to melt away when I discover that every day is a daily gift from God. We have a, we have a new church friend. Uh, a couple of three weeks ago, we changed the marquee out front to just announce that you know, like our portico prayers, what we've done, we've moved portico prayers from outside, we've moved it right here to the altar, and so we posted out there that the altar's open every day, you know, every day at noon, the altar, the altar is open for prayer. So a lady in the neighborhood just stopped by one day, her name is Elizabeth, man, she is a blessing 
Uh, she has such a sweet, sweet spirit. It took Elizabeth a little while before she would pray with us, you know. I mean, she'd just kind of be here, and, and it was friendly, and she would come and she would go, and then finally she began to pray aloud. I'm so glad she did. She has a phrase that she prays that has really stuck with me. She prays about <clears throat> this day, the day that you're living, whatever, whatever the day it is, today. She says, it's a day we've never seen before. That's a great perspective, isn't it? This is a day I have never seen before. And so before those days that are difficult come, remember your creator. All right? Let's go to the conclusion of the whole matter, like he says in verse number 13. There are two of them. There are two things that he gives to us, two directives, if you will, that is the call of duty for us, the whole duty of man. The first one is to answer his call. To answer his call. And even in that, there are two things that he says here in verse number 13. He says, first of all, fear God. Fear God. Fear is something usually that we want to avoid. That we say is a bad thing. It's a bad thing in the Christian life. It's a bad thing in life in general. You ought not be afraid. Right? But there is a time when fear is good. And the fear of the Lord for the believer is both good and it is appropriate. In fact, in both the Psalms and the Proverbs, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job, who would have written his before either one of those books got written, he simply said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. If you want to know wisdom, it's not found in philosophy. It's not even found in theology, so to speak. It's found in the fear of God. That's where it begins. So what does it mean? What does it mean to fear God? It does mean a genuine reverence. It does mean a deep respect for the Lord. To fear the Lord means that you acknowledge His absolute greatness. That you acknowledge His mighty power. That you acknowledge His immutable justice. That you hone in on His holiness. And you bow before Him because of that. You, you see the exaltation of His glory and you jump at that. That's what it means to fear the Lord. But Isaiah writes it this way. Isaiah in chapter number 8 and verse 13 says, The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. Him you shall treat as holy, we could say. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. One of the traits that our society has lost is the fear of God. We certainly see it here in our own town. We see it everywhere. And one of the reasons is, is because we have dismissed Him as being irrelevant. He's not relevant to to life in the 21st century. He's not relevant to my personal life. He's not relevant to today's society. And because we have edged him out, we pay the price. We see it on the news every single day. And you live it in your home. You live it at your job. Every single day, a group of people 
who will not honor the Lord for who he is. Not only are we paying that price now, we'll pay that price well into the future as well. As our children and our grandchildren learn how to pay it. So the first thing that he says in trying to answer his call is number one, he says, fear God. Then number two, he says, and keep his commandments. Follow God. Fear God. Follow God. That's what he's saying. The person who's born again, the person whose heart is given to the Lord, the person who fears God genuinely, I think will naturally want to keep his commandments. There is a direct link between your relationship with God, your love for God, and your obedience to God. Jesus said it so simply. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's hard to get simpler than that, isn't it? John writes in his first epistle, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love one another. When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Some people don't want to obey because they think that God's going to put a burden on them that they can't shoulder. His commandments are not burdensome. His his parameters are not there because he doesn't love you. They're there because he does love you. You love your little dogs, don't you? Some people in here do. (laughs) That's why you put up the fence. You don't want the dogs running out into the road. You don't put up the fence and expect them to stay in because you don't love them. You put up the fence because you do love them. God's parameters of telling us what is right and what is wrong is not because he's some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want us to have any fun in life. He always acts in those things that are at our very best, even when we don't understand what they are. Your obedience is a clear indication of where you are in your relationship with him. And those parameters that he gives you are simply expressions of his love for you. This is our duty, soldier. You answer the call? Do you fear him? Will you follow him? Answer his call. That's number one. Number two, in this conclusion that he finds, settling the matter finally, is number two is to account for your conduct. Account for your conduct. He says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. Everything. The Bible says, so then, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. You're going to give an account for your actions. The Bible says that God will render to each one according to his deeds. But you're also going to give an account for your words. He says, the Bible says, But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. So what does Solomon say? God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, 
those things that you think that nobody else knows about, whether they're good or whether they're evil. He'll bring those things through in judgment. How does that, how does that help me to discover meaning and purpose in life? Because ultimately, if I'm living for the Lord, I want to be held accountable for it. And if I'm not living for the Lord, I'm going to be held accountable for it. If I'm trying to find happiness and meaning and fulfillment and all those things in any of these temporal things that the world offers, I'll be held accountable for it. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And I know there are Christians that will say, I'm not going to be judged. I belong to Jesus. Okay, well, you're heaven and hell. That judgment is taking place already. What you do with Jesus, that does decide that. But no matter whether your eternal destination is heaven or hell, you're going to be held in judgment, right? Unbelievers are going to stand before that great white throne judgment. Believers are going to stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account of all the things done in the body. We are held accountable. And if you're not held accountable for what you do and for how you live, can't you come to the same conclusion then that it really doesn't matter? It matters that you put God first because He's the one that you'll answer to. Do you remember the show Everybody Loves Raymond? One of those shows, their daughter Allie asks her dad, she says, why were we born? She says, why did God put us here? Of course, Raymond doesn't have a foggiest clue, you know. He didn't have a foggiest clue about many things. He surely doesn't have a clue when it comes to answering this. And so he does what just about anybody else will do. He goes to a bunch of other people who don't know what the answer to that question is and begins to talk to them. He talks to his family. You know, how are we going to answer this? You know, and the dad has something that he offers. The brother has something that he offers. Finally, Marie, who is Raymond's mother, says, Oh, I know. It's all in the Bible. And then she gets up from the couch and she goes over and she grabs the Bible and she comes back and she opens it and she says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Blah, 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 blah. And as if she's going to read through it and find it, you know, somewhere. If she had just skipped all the way to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, she would have found the answer for little Allie. This is the answer for a fictional character, but it's also the answer for us. What does the meaning of life really boil down to? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. That's our call to duty. Let's pray. Father, like a good soldier, we report for duty. It really doesn't matter if we fully understand everything that we signed up for when we signed up. We have signed up to please you. As that unfolds for us in our life day after day after day.
pray that in those, sometimes those very small moments of obedience, not just the big ones, but, the, but just the, the little daily matters where we do what we ought to do simply because it's right and because it glorifies and honors you. Would you give us satisfaction? Would you give us a sense of fulfillment in knowing that we carry on the way that we ought? Father, may everything else in our life dim in comparison to our walk with you. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would grow it. Read our Bibles. I pray that you'd help us and give us understanding and give us application. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are, if you will. If you want to come to the altar, please come. If I can help you, I will. Let's sing and pray and, and just do what Lord impresses on you to do. Ready? This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to join us in reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great and rewarding way to start your day, and it is never too late to start. If you would like a copy of the reading plan, you can request a copy at churchoffice at brittdavid.org. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.